This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. It's July 7th, 2020, and you're listening to the Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. Today we will discuss mid-season crop status and considering considerations moving into mid-July. I'm Pioneer Sales and Marketing Intern Hanny Elias. With me today are Pioneer Field Agronomists Brian Buck and Josh Schaffner. This is episode 4 of 2020. Welcome back everyone. Yeah, it's good to be back on the air following a uh, couple hot weeks here, putting yeah. on quite a few GDUs and uh, crops keeps pushing along. So Hannah, I think just to get started today, we'll probably hop right into a GDU update. I think a lot of people are curious uh, where we actually sit following some pretty hot weeks. Yeah, so from Rochester, Minnesota, our total GDUs for the growing season of 2020, we've accumulated about 1,100 GDUs, which is 128 GDUs above um, our average. Um, So for the past 20 days, we've been pushing out about a leaf every two days, which is pretty impressive. It's really good. Yeah, when you think about that, for 20 days straight to put out a new leaf almost every two days, that we're really pushing the crop along. And you look at our forecast, it's not like we're cooling off. I mean, it's going to be mm-hmm. mid-80s to 90 here in foreseeable future, too. So I think we'll see tassels poking up pretty fast. Yeah, and when you do look at the fast ground, you know, down the river valley, um, you know, we got some 160 that's just shooting its first tassels already, which, you know, that's that's pretty full-season corn for this area to be showing it already. Um, it's progressing fast, and it looks like that's going to continue, which... Um, you know, kicking off the month of July, that's kind of what we want to get. It's a big GDU time, and uh, I always hate falling behind the first half of July, and uh, I think it's a good thing for us. Yeah, and as we're moving through the halfway mark of our growing season, Josh, what do you what do you think that we're looking at for the rest of the, the growing season? Yeah, as we enter the midway point, um, I think overall we're, we're in a really good spot. Um, planting dates are in our favor. Uh, it did seem like, you know, even though we were planted early, you know, maybe things weren't progressing as fast as as our producers, customers, even ourselves thought it should be. Um, now you kind of fast forward, you know, we were concerned getting the 4th of July, we're not going to be that close to tassel and, and voila, you know, we're starting to see a few, you know, just starting to show on the fast ground, a lot of flag leaves starting to show, um, you know, crop progress. I couldn't be happier. You know, we do got some pockets that will need some moisture here with this heat, uh, especially kind of along the Minnesota, Iowa border. As you come North, we had some big rains, um, but overall we're sitting good. And then soybean maturity-wise, um, same type of deal. We're planted early. They're progressing good. Uh, some 30-inch rows are really close to canopy. Uh, from that standpoint of uh, getting them this far along and getting canopy and, and having, um, you know, in some cases a couple months here to, to harvest sun and fill grain, it should put us in a good spot. Yeah, definitely. And, Brian, um, as we get into mid-July, what should we be worried about or preparing for? You know, I, I think overall, as you, you do look at our crop, it's a pretty good-looking crop overall. So then that's what are some things that can take yield away. Um, and what can we do to actually control some of those? And fungicide to me is one of the biggest in corn and soybeans. We'll, we'll touch in corn a little more in depth here in a bit, but just some highlights on soybeans. I was getting some questions yesterday. Timing's really important. That R3 stage is really where we want to be. Uh, the beans I was in yesterday were kind of in that beginning R2 stage, so uh, 7 to 10 days or 7 to 14 days, I would expect those to be in that R3. Um, just to give you an idea on yield, the difference between an R3 application and an R1 is... Uh, on average, they were looking around 3.7 bushel at R3 and only 2.3 at R1. So it is a little bit more of an advantage to get into that R3 window and hit it hit it at the right time for beans. Definitely, definitely. And so now that we're talking about pushing out, you know, leave every two days, we're starting to think about fungicide and for, for tassel and things. What do growers need to consider um, for their mid-season um, fungicide applications? 
yeah, I think, it, you know, Brian and I, we always kind of go through a checklist and um, we, we briefly mentioned this at the beginning of the of the show around where we're sitting GDUs. I always like to really evaluate where we're sitting um, compared to average of GDUs as you come into fungicide season. You know, if you kind of go back through, I mean, we see good results in, in all, you know, kind of GDU years, but it does seem like we're, we're kicking out GDUs ahead of average and we can move those applications up into the middle of July instead of maybe the first part of August. Uh, it does give us a lot more time to take advantage of that plant health and and um, we're keeping the plants healthy during some of the longest days of the year during grain fill, which is important. So I always like to do a GDU evaluation before we make decisions on corn and uh, kind of where we're sitting right now, this is kind of, for me, the perfect scenario when I think about fungicide and where we're sitting GDU-wise. Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing I like to think about too, so you mentioned GDUs. Um, as you go out, I think fungicide, when we start picking fields, you know, there's a lot of factors we're talking about here, but you want to pick farms that have a lot of yield potential. Those farms that are very even across, they look like they have a lot of bushel potential. Um, fungicide is going to protect bushels. It's not going to take your worst looking farm and, and magically make it look better. So mm -hmm. we really want to target those really good looking farms and try to keep them up into that high yield level. Uh, and that's where we'll get the most return on investment overall. So um, big bushel fields is another big thing I think to look at. Definitely. And I would say probably previous crop too, when you think about um, continuous corn on corn, they probably have the most present diseases that would threaten your corn plants. Um, obviously other previous crops are super important too, but just keeping an eye on that corn on corn ground and maybe um, to potentially some corn on sod. Have you seen some effects of, you know, some high pressure fields with that? Yeah, corn following sod, especially if they're using some pen pack manure, you know, something that's got a lot of corn stalk bales or something um, that's kind of spring, you know, spread out there across the top, worked in. Uh, it can be an overlooked. It's kind of a, a low percentage scenario, but it is a scenario you don't want to overlook. Sometimes your heaviest northern corn leaf fly pressure follows a, a situation <laughs> like that. It can be be a little scary and it makes sense if you ever want to see disease just go find a row of corn stalk bales along the corn and walk in 100 feet next to it you'll find every disease under the sun uh, around those corn stalk bales yeah so uh, so we talked about so far gdus big bushels you know corn on corn uh is being some primary areas another thing is as we go out and scout if you have the diseases present i think that's a good tool also you know to start thinking do i need to spray um, one rule of thumb i've had i look back to years we've had like say a bad northern corn leaf blight year if you go out this time of year right before tassel or at tassel and you're finding a lesion on every three to four plants, it doesn't look like much when you're in the field, but that can expand really quick. So if you have a hybrid that's, you know, rated moderate or uh, a little bit lower than moderate on the scale and you're finding a little bit of pressure, that's a good time to pull the trigger and spray also. Uh, to really protect against that disease. Brian, you and I got an awesome time-lapse video of that happening from a few years back. We should uh, dig through the archives and tweet that out. It's, it's quite a visualization of how fast it can and progress. I think it's, you know, you think about it, it's exponential growth. Every 10 to 14 days, it resporulates and grows. So, I mean, you can go from one lesion to 10, 10 to 100, just like that. So, when you're seeing it early, it's present. If the environment's conducive, it can grow quick. Yep. And, and Brian, when we go out, and, and Hannah, when we talk to producers, it, it um, you know, the you know, the hybrid list of which hybrid should we target, shouldn't target, uh, it's not the top of our list. I put it towards the end. I like those other factors first. Uh, but when you do look at your hybrids, you know, look at your northern corn leaf blight score, look at your gray leaf spot score. You, when you when, Usually when we go look at responses at the end of the season, when we get harvest results in, you know, the larger responders tends to follow. The lower the scores of those, the bigger the response. 
Uh, so just reviewing those to know like, hey, where do I got some hybrids that are higher risk? Are they maybe on a corn on corn situation? Uh, those are things to look at. And usually, you know, like us, we have a lot of good data to help support that. So don't be shy to reach out to, to one of us, your Pioneer sales rep, uh, to go through the hybrids that you got planned on your operation this year. I think, you know, one other smaller category we talk about sometimes is harvest plan. Um, so you think about a year like this, we're progressing early. If you have a lot of acres to cover in the fall and you know X amount you're not going to get to till really late, there's a big opportunity, I think, on overall plant intactness and plant health mm-hmm. uh, to spray those acres that you know are going to be last early. Make sure you're efficient when going through with the combine. One other thing with harvest plan this year is we're progressing really fast. I think the corn silage acres are going to be a really key target because that fungicide can really help spread out the harvest window come you know late August, beginning of September. If we keep with this heat, we're going to mature early. The days are hotter when we mature and we can lose that moisture really quick. So mm-hmm. fungicide will help hold that overall plant moisture at that time of year a little bit. It's not going to make it perfect, right? But it's going to make that window bigger and give you a chance to get mm-hmm. into the moisture. Yeah, buying yourself an extra, you know, maybe two or three days don't sound like a lot. But when you look at the importance of hitting a moisture on feed, you take that through the cows through the next whole year. That's a big deal. So uh, it's a good call, Brian. Definitely. And harvest plan, Brian. Um or so yeah so i think the the corn silage thing was big um one other thing i I just want to mention before we move past this is tar spot if we do see it fungicide is a good responder overall on uh on tar spot so keep that in mind if we see it we'll message out very uh, in the area a lot about it but we just want to call that out too yeah it'll be really prompt so josh and brian can you give us an update on bugs i know i've seen some like super uh, severe armyworm damage down by like Mankato area, but what have you guys been seeing? Yeah, just my quick, uh, you know, update on the bugs. A lot of leaf hoppers in the alfalfa. I see a lot of them spraying, but uh, sweeping last week, we're seeing a lot, a lot of immature uh, nymphs. So it says they've been here a while. They've been reproducing, and um, um, maybe not surprised by that. The other thing, I did see my first thistle caterpillar damage in the soybeans. They were actually already fed and then left. Um, I was chasing a, a butterfly that I thought was a painted lady butterfly with my sweep net the other day running through the ditch. So somebody saw me, some goofy guy with a pioneer net chasing something down the ditch. That was me. <laughs> Brian, what are you seeing for bugs? Uh, overall, it's been pretty calm. I think we got to keep a close eye on corn rootworm pressure. Just It's a good time of year to go out and dig and see if we did have any um, corn on corn acres or corn on soybean acres that aren't protected by a trader insecticide are worth looking at. Just to make sure we're not getting any uh, extended diapause. Definitely. So you can find the shows at Periscope live broadcast and you can replay it on Periscope or at podcast.pioneer.com. You can subscribe via iTunes. You can find Josh on Twitter. I'm at Josh Offner. And I am at FarmerBuck1. And I am Farmer underscore hand underscore. That's a wrap for episode four of 2020. The show was recorded in Goodhue, Minnesota. It is produced by Josh Offner and Brian Buck. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.